Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Friday, October 7th. I'm Desiree Frazier. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, the 163rd State Fair opens. Then, how a coastal health clinic is putting women's health at the forefront this October. Plus, a first-of-its-kind art conference in the Magnolia State. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. The 163rd Mississippi State Fair is officially open. The ceremonial ribbon cutting was yesterday morning. Commissioner of Agriculture and Commerce Andy Gibson, along with multiple state officials and law enforcement leaders, were on hand. Gibson shares more with our Lacey Alexander on this year's event. The Mississippi State Fair is the state's largest event. We'll have more people here at this event than any other one in the state. There's a lot of great events, but this is the biggest And one thing about the State Fair is it brings everybody from Mississippi together. It's a great crowd of everybody from all different backgrounds coming together to enjoy a great time for our families. And I love that about the State Fair. But it's all started with agriculture, the livestock families that come here to show their animals. And then, of course, the carnival built out, the great fair food. And we brought a lot of new events here that are going to, I hope, provide some free, uh, affordable entertainment for families of Mississippi. One of the big questions about this year's fair is the question of safety. What precautions are you guys taking this year to make sure Mississippians have a safe experience? Well, you know, we're living in a day of increased crime. We see that here locally. We see it all around the country. This year we have developed a plan that involves multiple law enforcement agencies, uh, more than a dozen, working together. For the first time, we've got state police here, the Highway Patrol, state troopers will be here, the Capitol Police, of course, the Hines County Sheriff's Office, Jackson Police Department, and about eight other different state law enforcement agencies all working together to keep people safe. Uh, We have developed some new protocols. People will be, after 9 o'clock, youth will be required to come into the fair with adult supervision. That's been implemented in fairs all across the country, and it's helped curb a lot of the uh, what I call foolish activities late at night. And that's really our what we're trying to do is just to, we want people to come here to feel safe, to have a great family-friendly event, and uh, by requiring youth to have adult supervision when they come in the gates after 9 o'clock, we think that will curb a lot of the stuff that we've seen around the country and here in Mississippi too. 
Awesome. One last question for you. You spoke on it in the um, opening ceremony. Jackson has been through a water crisis. Jackson has been through flooding. What does an event like this mean for a community that's been through so much this year? It's an opportunity to get back out and enjoy life again. You know, we uh, have decided about two years ago we would put down our own well system here on the fairgrounds because we have all these livestock that have to have water to drink and uh, people who come here guests and camp out here so we did that we have fresh clean water here on the fairgrounds we were able to use that water to help during the recent water water crisis pumping it into those national guard tankers and uh, and of course the national guard is here who helped out so much distributing bottled water all over this city so it's a special event for the people of Jackson to come out, enjoy a good time, and uh, like I said, enjoy life again. It, this is an opportunity to make lasting family memories for, for generations to come. The 10-day state fair ends on October 16th. Coming up, how a coastal health clinic is putting the women's health at the forefront this October. Hey, this is Larry Morrissey with the Mississippi Arts Commission. I'm one of the hosts of the Mississippi Arts Hour, the arts interview show on Think Radio. We talk with visual artists, musicians, writers, as well as people who help bring the arts to their communities. We hear about how each artist learned their craft and get some insight into their creative process. You can hear the Arts Hour every Sunday at 5 p.m. on Think Radio, or listen anytime by subscribing to the show through your favorite podcasting app. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And to help promote prevention and early diagnosis, a coastal Mississippi clinic is providing low-cost mammograms and pap smears to the public this weekend without making an appointment. Jada Verling-Hill is a women's health nurse practitioner with the Coastal Family Health Center. She shares how important screenings like these are so important when detecting potentially deadly cancers. We're just, you know, concerned with the community and we're wanting to be able to provide these screenings early so that if there are any problems, we can go ahead and and get patients um, treated and taken care of. And we know that screenings do help, um, you know, promote health and the screenings can detect problems with breast and cervical cancer Um, prior to uh, symptom onset, sometimes if patients just follow up and get their routine screenings. This is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. $25, is that considered a small fee for a mammogram? Right. That is uh, way below our normal price for our clinic, and I think way cheaper than a lot of the other surrounding clinics and hospitals. And so to get that in addition with the PAP at the same time is a great deal. How common is breast cancer? I mean, we just heard this week that the former news anchor for NBC, Katie Couric, I believe she worked for CBS as well, was diagnosed with breast cancer. Yeah, so one in eight women will develop breast cancer. Have you been able to determine what causes it? Um, There are some genetic factors. There are screenings that um, can be done through lab work, the BRCA We don't really do a lot of that at our clinic just due to the expense, Um, but we are working with another facility. Um, They're just trying to to introduce some more um, cost-efficient ways to get that done. So there are genetic factors, and there's also just exposure factors to 
carcinogens like tobacco use. So smoking can lead to breast cancer. Correct. What other factors are there that can impact one's breast health? And we're not just talking about women either, right? Correct. Men can get breast cancer as well. It's more rare, but it is possible. Um, Genetic factors, breastfeeding, um, if you've had children, the timing of when you had children. um, So those things. And then some of it's just, um, you know, like a, a genetic or if, if cell damage through other, um, like, toxins that you would have inhaled or come in contact with. Could contaminants in water lead to breast cancer? I have not personally seen any studies related to that, but I don't know that that could be completely excluded as a, you know, that it it could not have been linked to it. Can old age lead to developing breast cancer? I'm not familiar with age being a sole factor for breast cancer. So what do you tell people when they come in to see you and they're concerned about their risk? So the the best way to um, combat any fears with that is to just do your screening, which we can do annually, um, starting at age 40. If patients do have a, a family history with like a first-degree relative that had had breast cancer, we start screening earlier than age 40. It would be 10 years prior to the diagnosis of the family relative. So, for instance, the mother was diagnosed at 37. The patient could start screening breast services at 27. Um, But, you know, if they notice anything abnormal with the breast, any nipple retraction, changes in the skin, any lumps, or significant pain, um, those need to be evaluated as soon as they're discovered. But if no symptoms arise, then the best screening would be to just follow up with the mammograms. Yeah, because the self-exams, while they're encouraged by doctors, some women are uncomfortable for fear that they might feel something and would rather not know. How do you help them get beyond that sense of fear? Yeah, so sometimes the self-breast exam does um, initiate more problems than less problems because patients, you know, will just have fibrocystic breasts, which is where there's just normal density changes in the breast and they might feel a lump or several lumps and it's it's a normal part of the breast changing and the fat tissue changing. Um, And then they get very nervous that it's breast cancer. Every time someone finds something, you know, they automatically think it's breast cancer. Um, So sometimes that does cause unnecessary fears um, when they do the the self-rest exams. So just try and let them know, you know, if they're concerned, they can come get it checked out. And then on a personal level, once they get there, you know, we discuss um, risk factors for them. And if it seems like something new or different from their baseline exam, um, you know, we'll take further action if needed. Jada Verling-Hill is a women's health nurse practitioner with the Coastal Family Health Center. Coming up at first of its kind, art conference in the Magnolia State. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. It's made possible in part by contributions from podcast listeners. Please consider making a contribution by going to the Donate Now tab at mpbonline.org. Thanks for your financial support. 
This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. Clay, like the blossoms of the magnolia tree or the white tuff on the tail of a deer, it's quintessentially Mississippi. And for the first time in the state, an art conference looks to celebrate Clay's centuries-old history and influence on culture. Sam Clark is one of the artists who will demonstrate his artistic process at Mississippi Clay Conference 2022. A native Mississippian, Clark tells our Lacey Alexander that Southern culture can have an influence on artwork. I think the South has a very rich history of telling stories I'm sure that's true everywhere, but, you know, I'm familiar with the South and, you know, going to hunting camps and hearing some pretty wild stories about the deer that got away or, you know, the fish that was so big it couldn't fit in a boat, things like that. Um, we like to exaggerate. So I think we're really good at that. And my grandmother was really good at that. So I kind of grew up hearing good stories. But, you know, Eudora Welty and Faulkner, I just think we have a rich history of, of, of writers and storytellers and just artists in general. And what about the clay in the state? Is good or maybe not good to use in your artwork? It's great for artwork. It's not good to build houses on, apparently. Understood. So <laughs> uh, you will be featured in the first ever clay conference in the state. Explain to me what it's like to be in the very first and what this conference means to you personally. Well, it's it's an honor to be asked to be a presenter, number one, and the other artists on stage, I'm just excited to get to work with them, and I'm just glad that, you know, something like this is coming to Mississippi. There, there are other conferences, like the Alabama Clay Conference, which they've had for many years, and I've attended that, and it's fantastic. Um, I'm just hoping that folks in Mississippi will take advantage of it, and, you know, not necessarily only ceramic artists, but anybody that loves creativity hopefully will be interested. Um, being the first uh, Mississippi Clay Conference, hopefully it'll do well and be around again, and uh, you know, and everyone will enjoy it. Hopefully. Gotcha. So, what do you hope Mississippians learn from this conference and your art? If your Mississippi statesman could walk away with one thing after this conference that they've been educated on, what would that thing be? Well, um, this would be true for Mississippians or anyone that uh, is a creative person. I just hope they walk away with the idea that to play and explore whatever their creative pursuits are and enjoy the process and not really worry so much about um, perfection. Uh, I, I think a lot of people are afraid to even start something because they're thinking they're not professional or, you know, they see someone else that's better, so they're just afraid to ever get their hands in the clay. Hopefully they'll come away with some good techniques and some fun things to try, and they'll just go have fun in the clay. <laughs> One last question before I let you go. Could you kind of explain to me, tell me a story of how you got started doing this artwork? Okay, yeah, sure. Well, um, I think like a lot of people that grow up with just sort of a, a leaning towards art, I was someone that enjoyed drawing. Uh, simple, you know, all you need is a pencil and a piece of paper. But eventually I did sort of had this desire to have these characters and things exist in the, the real world, so it moved into the three-dimensional uh, realm, which uh, was a lot of fun. So that's why I kind of ended up sculpting, but it was kind of wanting to bring bring those characters more into life. So that that's kind of what drove me into 
sculpting. Of course, I still like to draw. That's where I get a lot of my ideas. I kind of go from the sketchbook to the clay. Awesome. Sam Clark, thank you so much for chatting with me today. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks a bunch. The Clay Conference is today and tomorrow in Meridian. Sam Clark is a Mississippi native and artist who specializes in clay works. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.